In verses 9 through 12, the word of God brings conviction. And verses 13 through 18, the word of God calls us to obedience. Beginning in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man at the square which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it from before the square which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of men and women, those who could understand. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mathathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Melchiah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and, and whoever thought Zechariah would be the easy one to say, Zechariah and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Okay, good. Thank you. The people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And when they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Okay? The first point was in those eight verses that the word of God must be understood. If you turn to Romans chapter 3. I don't, I don't, (laughs) of course, this morning I I could be justified in being a little critical of technology. I don't want to bash technology. The works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. If you skip over to verse 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. The law is a teacher. The law points out our sin. The law is used by the Holy Spirit to to convict us of our sin and to point it out. So we need to his precepts and his laws as we read in Psalm 119 earlier. As we recall last week we talked about in verse 1 all the people in this were those that had come back from, from Babylon from captivity and they probably spoke Aramaic not Hebrew. They were, uh, uh, some of them were were captured and and led away into captivity, but they'd been in captivity long enough. Some of them were born in captivity and they were raised in the Babylonian culture. And so they didn't understand Hebrew or some of the nuances. And and even we find 
when we translate from the Hebrew to the English or from the Greek to the, to the English, is that sometimes we lose the nuances just because we don't have the right word or as many words uh, as the other language to properly translate the word of God. So it was a very important job that, the, that the, in verse 7, the, the priests there in the Levites, that they explain the law. First uh, chapter, excuse me, verse 2 it talks about that all who could listen with understanding. Verse 3, men and women, those who could understand. We just mentioned 7, and then in verse 8, uh, they were translating to give sense so that they understood. And if you look in verse 12 and 13, it also is referring to gaining insight or understanding into the Word. If we don't understand God's Word, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good. We can't apply it to our lives and it makes it difficult for us to know what it, if we don't understand it. So we, that, that understanding is very important. At, at the end of verse 3, it talk, and I'm trying not to repeat everything I said last week, but fill in the gaps with what I missed. So if I pause for a second, give me a little leeway. At the end of verse 3, all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And then at the end of verse 5, it says, when Ezra opened it, all the people stood up. And there are some that, that believe that we, we have to stand up to, to give respect to the word of God. But I, I, I just remember as a kid when I broke a window playing softball in our backyard, it came out of my mouth that shouldn't have. And I got my mouth washed out with soap because of it. But I, as, as I grew up, I thought, you know, What's more important than the word that came out of my mouth is what's in my heart. I mean, that's why it came out, but what, what's my attitude? Why am I saying this? Why, why did I react or respond that way? And it, was, it needs to be, um, when, when we're trying to relate that to um, opening the word and the people stood up, is that it's not that we stand up physically, because you can stand up and totally disrespect the Word of God by not paying any attention to it while it's being read. And you can sit down and totally be respecting the Word of God by being attentive to it, as, as Ezra encourages in, at the end of verse 3 there, were, and it says, all the people were attentive to the book of the law. We, we don't want to worship this book, but it, it does, we, we treat it with respect, but we want to make sure that we worship God. We want to make sure that the creator is the one that we worship, not the created. Okay? Um, so, don't think that we have to stand to pay respect to the word. Is that wrong? No, absolutely not. But just because you're standing doesn't mean your heart's in the right place either. You know, the, the one little kid that always got in trouble with it and, and pay attention and he refused. He was just going to stand there. And his dad said, sit down. He finally sat down. He was thinking to himself, he went like this, and he says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. So, it, you know, it's more, it's more about the heart and, and the attentiveness that we pay to God's word because that is how we learn more about God. And that is, is why we should be in it. That's why we should be rejoicing in it as we'll see the people in a little bit. The, the part that um, with the OCC, God has a plan for your life. 
and part of that plan is that he never leaves us or forsakes us. Part of that plan for these men in verse 7 is as they were younger men being trained in school to, to know the law and to understand it, to read it in the Hebrew. God was preparing them partially for this moment right here. When the people would come as one, as, as a group, and want to know what God's Word said, and they want to hear it. These men were fulfilling God's plan for their lives. Because they were, and, and it doesn't tell us exactly how many people were in this gathering by the water gate. And, and it doesn't tell us exactly how, how they're explaining one about, if it was by divided by groups of tribes, or if it was by groups of 50 or 100. It, it doesn't give us that detail. That's not the important part. The important part is that there were godly men there that were able to explain the word to those that wanted to understand. And they read from the book from, of the law, translating and giving us sense so that they understood the reading. It was very important that they understood. The second part, or point last week, was the word of God brings conviction and brings rejoicing. Verse 9 of Nehemiah chapter 8. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to them to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate the great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. When we know the word of God, and we come under conviction of the Holy Spirit for our sins, we should grieve, we should weep over our sins. And as we, we talked about in verse uh, Psalms 32, 33, and 34 at Easter, and I mentioned again last week, the benefits of forgiveness. And we're not going to experience that forgiveness until we come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then we come to the Lord, we confess our sins, we're in forgiveness, and then we enjoy the freedom out from underneath the weight of carrying that sin and the responsibility of that sin. And, and the people were, were feeling, they, were, they, they hadn't quite got to the celebration point yet or the, or the point where they were feeling they were just burdened by the guilt of their sin. Someone has said that it's just as wrong for us to grieve when we've been forgiven as it is for us to not grieve when we're sinning. That it's just as wrong in either direction there. Because once we've taken our sin to the Lord and confessed it and asked Him to forgive us, then we should celebrate in, in that forgiveness and know the joy and rejoice in the forgiveness that we can have in our hearts. And it just takes that weight away. And we mentioned last week that this was a time for the haves to share with the have-nots. 
for those that were richer, that they could share from their, their, their plenty and to share with those that, that were not uh, as blessed as they were in, in, in the, the uh, what do I want to say, the elements or the, the, the food uh, to, to celebrate and to have the party and to have the festival. So the, Le- the Levites were still active in, in fulfilling their role in, in doing is that they were to calm the people and say that this day is holy, do not be grieved. Have any of you ever heard of Franz Joseph Hayden? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, he lived, he lived from 1732 until 1809. And, and I, I knew I'd, I took piano lessons when I was a kid for a couple of years. Um, so I knew the name, but I didn't know that much about him. But he wrote 107 symphonies, 83 string quartets, 45 piano trios, 62 piano sonatas, and 26 operas. Well, one, one the, I'm, I've got a quote here from him, and I, I just think it's funny because this is almost, what, 300 years ago? No, a little over 200 years ago, okay? And this is a direct quote from him. He says, when I think, and then just, just think of culture and life and everything 200 years ago, a little, little maybe a little stuffy for those of society that would go listen to these symphonies. He says, when I think upon my God, my heart is so full that the notes dance and leap from my pen. And since God has given me a cheerful heart, it will be pardoned me that I serve him with a cheerful heart. I think there were those, for just from his statement there, some just thought he was just a little too, too lively or too little, little too upbeat. But he says, when I'm fellowshipping with the Lord... The, 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 the notes to music just fly off of my pen. They dance, and I'm cheerful. He, he worked out of a cheerful heart. And that's the way we should be when we rejoice, when we know the forgiveness of God. The Word of God calls us to obedience. Verses 13 through 18. Then on the second day, the heads of the father's households of all the people, the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe that they might gain insight into the word of the law. And they found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seven month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all the cities and in Jerusalem saying, Go out of the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out, and they brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at Watergate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. Excuse me. <clears throat> and the entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made boots and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua 
<coughs> I'm talking too much. I'm getting dry. Had not done so from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day, and there was great rejoicing. Excuse me, just a little tickle here. And there was great rejoicing. And he read from the book of the law of God daily, from the first day to the last day. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly, according to the ordinance. I haven't had this happen in a while. Excuse me. When 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 I was telling you about our Bible study methods and how we would write observations down on the passages as you'd go through, delve into the Word. And one of the things you notice in in chapter eight here is at the end of okay, excuse me, at the end of chapter, and it says, and when the seventh month came. And if we look in chapter 8, verse 3, um, it says, on the first day of the seventh month, we talked about the seventh month being a time of a lot of celebrations for the Jews, that on the first day was the feast of, on the tenth of the month was the, the day of atonement, and all of its very elaborate um, very uh, things that happened on that day. On the tenth day, the, the priest the high priest that year would, would take a, a special special clothes because that was the one day of the year that they would go into the Holy of Holies and only the high priest was allowed to do that one day a year. And when he got, after he took the bath, he would um, sacrifice. Okay, let me get this. I want to get this right here. He would sacrifice a bull to cleanse himself and the priests. Then he would sacrifice the goat for the sins of the people. And that sin offering he would take and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And the whole, another part of the ceremony was they would, let, they would send the scapegoat, the goat that was figuratively carrying all the sins of the people, and send it off into the wilderness. And these were all very elaborate ceremonies and things that the, that the priest did on that day to remember the, the Passover um, when they were leaving Egypt, uh, when, when they put the blood over the post that their child didn't die, but then as they were to leave Egypt. Um, sorry, this throat thing has me losing my, my mind here. The, the, as they celebrated the Passover, this, the, the Day of Atonement was to help them remember their time in leaving Egypt and, and understanding and realizing the, the shedding of the blood for the Lamb protected them when the death angel went over, the oldest one in their family wouldn't die. But that it was the, the blood that needed to be shed. Then on the, the 15th of the month, and, and the, the seventh month on the Jewish calendar begins towards the end of our July the 10th day of the month when they had the Day of Atonement was the beginning of August. 
And then on the 15th day of the month, they began celebrating the Feast of the Booths, where they, they made, took these branches and they'd make their booths. And again, this was to remember their, their wandering in the wilderness. And the, the month of, the seventh month of the year for them was a very important month. There was a lot of remembrances to their history. But at the end of verse 2 there, you say it says the first day of the seventh month. And then if you look at verse 1 of chapter 9, it says now on the 24th day. Back up a couple to verse 18 of chapter 8. It says daily from the first day to the last. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly. So it throws a little confusion. And I quite honestly didn't find any Anybody that addressed this issue in the commentaries, and I'm not exactly sure myself, I'll be that in verse 13 of chapter 8, when it says, on the second day, is where the, where the gaps come in between the different days of celebration. Was it the first, you know, between the first and the tenth day of atonement? And, and when did they do what? Because we know that they didn't build the booths and live in them until the fifteenth day, and that celebration went on for eight days. And so it says on the second day, the heads of the father's households and of all the people, the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra that they might gain insight into the words of the law. I don't think it was the second day of the month. Okay, I think it was later and maybe it was the second day of the celebration of the Feast of of, uh, Booths. And I could be wrong on that, but I didn't. I didn't find any of the comments. Maybe, maybe there is no for sure answer. So none of them willing to take it on and stick their neck out there. Um, but at the at the in verse two, you see it says it talks about the first day of the seven month, and in verse one of chapter nine it says the twenty fourth day of this month. But in verse thirteen, that's missing. It doesn't say of the month. So anyhow. Um, just basically said all that to explain to you that I'm not real sure about the exact sequence of, of what happened there. But we do know that the people wanted to understand. They wanted to know the book of the law. And when they heard it, they were convicted of their sin. Just a, a quick glance, a glimpse of where we're heading next week. The first couple of verses of of chapter 9 says now on the 24th day of this month the sons of Israel assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dirt upon them and the descendants of Israel separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers and while they stood in their place they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for six hours and for another six hours they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord God they were serious about the business. They, they got down to it, and, and they were serious uh, in, in their dealings when they heard the word of God. They just didn't want to you know, keep checking their clock and wait till Ezra was done reading. He read for six hours, folks. And then they confessed for six hours their sins. So... Um, is part of paying the respect again when he when he stood when he opened the book and the people stood up. Um, part of that respect is how how much attention we pay to it, and then to to not what do I want to say to to 
to give our time and to give our focus to the Word of God in our personal lives during the week, to spend time in the Word, to do it cheerfully, just as we say, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to be cheerfully in His Word, not out of obligation, not out of responsibility, not because we have to, because we want to, because as the deer panteth after so after the water, so my soul longeth after Thee. And in Psalm 1, to meditate in his word day and night, that it would be part of us, be part of who we are. And, and not just something we do out of obligation. We eat because we need to. We need to eat spiritually because we need to. And we eat, we, we feed our physical body three times a day. We, we need to feed ourselves spiritually often. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of the Jews. We thank you for um, their sensitivity to the word. When they heard the word read, that they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. And then they were able to rejoice in you, Father. I pray that that would be the same for us this week. That we would be able to rejoice in you because we've had a broken and a contrite heart, Father. Cleanse us from our sins, in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd stand with me.